0: The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 44. This is the third episode in a series about the Church, what it is and what it's called to be. And this episode will focus on the Church's call to be victorious. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Before I go on with this episode, I should tell you that if you don't listen through to the end, it'd be easy to misconstrue what I'm going to talk about here. So, if you're not going to listen through to the end, just skip this one. And I say that because this particular topic has words, I believe, of hope for the Church, as well as potentially words of a rebuke, and so it's important to listen to both. There are a number of places in the Bible where it talks about the church as being at war. The most obvious ones are those verses that talk about putting on the whole armor of God. But there are also verses as strong as the verses from Revelation, which seem to indicate that the church is involved in the struggle between God and Satan in a very spectacular way. And I'm going to read here from uh, Revelation Chapter Twelve, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accusers of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the seas, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows his time is short. There's obviously many different ways to interpret, I think, anything in Revelation. And one way to interpret this passage would be this is the fall of Satan originally, but that doesn't explain a couple things in it. It doesn't explain how Satan would at that point be called the accuser of the brothers, because that's too soon. It also doesn't explain how he can be overcome by the blood of the lamb, because the lamb hasn't been slain yet. Jesus hasn't come and died yet until much later and how he can be overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It's describing people here who are covered by the blood of the Lamb, who are Christians, who are testifying to their faith, and who do not shrink from death. It's describing those who stand up for their faith, and especially, obviously, those who have been martyred for it. But it's talking about that as being somehow related to... Michael and his angels fighting back, and Satan and his demons falling and losing their place in heaven. So it's a confusing verse, but it's a verse that seems to me, as I read it and interpret it, to say that part of Satan's defeat is through the church, through God's people, who are covered by the blood of the Lamb, through the strength of their testimony. The church is at war. The church is in the midst of a struggle, when we talk about a church and we talk about a congregation, I think that is probably this the saddest and weakest word we can use for the church because it just sounds like a set of people who who come together for the sake of coming together. And the church is called for a bigger purpose than that. You may remember the verses in Matthew 16 when Peter gives the first testimony to who Jesus is. Jesus asked the disciples, But what about you? He asked, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, the gates of Hades, where the gates of hell will not overcome it. This is the first mention of the church that I am aware of in the Gospels. On this rock I will build my church, on Peter and his testimony, and the gates of hell won't overcome it, or to read from an alternate translation, will not prove stronger than it. When my pastor was going to be preaching on this topic about three or four summers ago, we had an intern from the local seminary who was with us, and as they were studying this passage, the intern asked a really good question said, have you ever been attacked by a gate? Well, no. If you take this verse and look at it in that context, when it talks about the gates of hell won't prove stronger than it, than the church, and this isn't one of those verses, I don't think, that is saying that God will protect us from the attacks of hell. I believe this is one of those verses that's saying that hell won't be able to stand up to the attack from the church. The church is not called to be on the defensive. The church is called to be on the offensive, to be taking ground back for Jesus. Now, and this is where it's important that we get to that second part, because I think one of the problems that the church has had historically, and I think today still, is that we forget who we're fighting. And so let's remember to look at those passages on the armor of God again, which we studied earlier from Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have gotten confused sometimes in the church who the enemy is. And I don't know who your boogeyman is, whether it be Muslims, whether it be people who are gay, whether it be people who are Jewish, whether it be people who are Hindu, whether it be people who are different from you or whatever, those are not the enemy. This verse says our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities and the powers of this dark world. Sometimes the church has been like a SWAT team that's going into a situation and not able to distinguish who is the enemy and who are the hostages. And too often, I think, we forget that, and we're attacking the hostages. That God says in First Peter that he doesn't desire that anyone perish, but that all come to knowledge of faith in him. And possibly more instructively, in Romans 12, Paul says this about love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And then this goes into the point of the matter. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The victory that the church is called to is a victory that is won through love. The victory that the church is called to is not to defeat an enemy, but unmake an enemy. This is a rescue operation. There are hostages who have been taken who God loves. And the Church is called to come to their aid. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any comments, feel free to send me an email at host at com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the story behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com.